Thanks for tuning in to the Equip Podcast. My name is Jeff Chris. I'm the lead pastor of Gateway Assembly. We are so excited to bring to you some leadership principles and practices to equip you in your calling. We believe that you can do what God has called you to do. So let's get right into it. I have the awesome privilege today to interview Don Piper. Now, Don Piper had an experience happen to him uh, 33 years ago. But since then, he's become a best-selling author. He goes around and speaks to multiple conferences and and, uh, churches and just uh, sort of like uh, uh, an evangelist that God has sent out to bring a a beautiful, beautiful word to people. And Don, it's so good to have you here today. And something happened to you 33 years ago. Go ahead and explain that. Well, I'm deeply deeply honored to be here. Thank you for having me on the program. You know, I never really planned to do this. Uh, I was a pastor in a local church, uh, trying to get people into heaven myself and minister to them, uh, a congregation. And then I got killed in a car wreck, which I guess brings up an interesting question. What are we doing here together? Um, And we'll try to answer that question uh, during our time together. Um, I was on my way to church, and I didn't make it. I uh, had left a conference that I was attending and was headed back to my church, which was about 120 miles away, and only about 10 minutes out of this conference center in East Texas, an 18-wheeler crossed the center stripe of a narrow two-lane bridge and hit me head-on, rolled over the top of my car with me in it, crushed it, Went off the back, struck a couple of other vehicles. So it was a four-vehicle crash Mm. uh, on a rural bridge in the middle of nowhere. Took a long time for police and ambulances to arrive. They did. They do what they do so well, which is try to save lives. The other three drivers, the truck driver who ran over me, the other two vehicles that he struck also behind, beside mine, they were treated and released. Miraculous that they weren't hurt. Uh, Their vehicles were totaled, but they weren't hurt. I was killed instantly. Uh, The the sheer impact, 110 miles an hour of my vehicle and his together, was just horrific. Um, At the moment the truck struck me, I was absent from the body, present with the Lord. I wasn't planning to die that day. I was 38 years old. I was just on my way to church to lead a Wednesday night Bible study. I didn't make it. The sermon that I had on the seat beside me, I had 10 sermons. The one on the top was called, I Believe in a Great God. That was sermon number one to be preached the next week. Never preached that sermon in my church. I have that copy of that sermon. That's the only thing that was saved out of the car wreck. And a policeman picked up the pages of it and put it back together to give my family as kind of a keepsake since I was a fatality. I have it in my office at home. It's covered in my dried blood. I believe in a great God. Mm. So back on earth in this wreck, um, they're, re- they're trying. They're t- doing their best to try to resuscitate me, mm-hmm. revive me, bring me back. I mean, I am told that they even tried some things that they never tried before. There was nothing to lose because I was already gone. In spite of their best efforts, I was pronounced dead on the scene and covered up with a tarp. Obviously, all the windows are knocked out of the car, and the roof is kind of peeled back, 
So it was very gruesome inside the car, mm. and they didn't want anybody to have to look at this. Besides that, it was raining, so it would have been raining in the car on me and whatever was left of my possessions in the car. So they covered me up, mostly to shield it from anyone else. They're waiting for a medical examiner. Anytime you have a fatality like this, you have to find out who's responsible, who killed this man. So that means everything's at a standstill on the bridge. Uh, they can't move anything till the coroner gets there. And so it's just a blockage. Back behind me are many other pastors who have been at the same conference that we all attended. They're not going anywhere now. This bridge is the only way to get across this lake. And so they're stacked up. Some of them begin to leave their cars and walk up to the accident site, probably out of curiosity. What's, what's the holdup? Why can't we move? One of those fellows was a guy named Dick Onorecker. He was a pastor of a church north of Houston. My church was south of Houston. So we're two pastors on our way on a, to Wednesday night prayer meeting. We're going to lead the prayer meeting. And uh, we're not going anywhere. I'm dead and he's behind me. Mm-hmm. So he walks up, he sees all this carnage, and he says to the policeman in charge, the state trooper, Officer, my name is Dick Onorecker. I'm a pastor in Houston. I see there's been a horrible wreck here. I would like to pray for the victims. And the the, uh, the policeman said, well, that's very nice, but there, there isn't anyone to pray for. Everyone else is okay except the man in the red car. He's dead. And when the policeman said that, God spoke to the preacher, I think he's doing a lot more speaking than we are listening. This preacher was listening when God said, pray for the man in the red car. This made no sense to him theologically. He never even remotely considered praying for a dead man. But there was no mistake in his heart that God told him to do this. So he sought and got permission with a lot of arguing to get in the car. They didn't want him to get hurt. It was twisted metal broken glass. He had to come in the back because everything else was either up on the railing of the bridge, had been crushed so badly you couldn't get in there because he wanted to put his hand on me and pray. Mm-hmm. Crawled in the back of the car. He lifted up the tarp, and he examined me. Um, I, it was daytime, about noon, actually. And so he's under this tarp looking at me, and he realizes the only thing I didn't break in the accident is my right arm. It is the only thing I did not break when the truck ran over me. So from behind me, he puts his hand on my right shoulder, under the tarp in the dark. He begins to pray for me because God told him to. They did identify me, the authorities there. When they found my uh, ID, they called my church, assuming I was going there. They were right. They told the church that I had been in a very bad accident, but they did not tell them I was a fatality. They always try to make that, you know, mm-hmm. make that announcement in person. It's just the more dignified thing to do. I've, I've made it. I know you've probably made it too, where you've gone out to tell someone. Very difficult. So they're making arrangements to do that. All the church knows is I've been in a bad accident. They don't know how to get in touch with my wife. She's teaching school that day. Our children are in school, just at a school down the street from her. They have no idea. Our church calls the school, and the assistant principal at that school calls my wife down to the office to tell her, your husband has been in a very bad accident. We don't know anything yet. So that's her, her notice. Meanwhile, back on the bridge, Dick Onorecker is praying. 
the church where I was headed has now started calling every church on the phone book. Remember phone books? Yeah, phone books. <laughs> they're, they're calling everybody and asking mm-hmm. them to pray. Every one of them said, yes, of course, we'll pray for the pastor that's been in a terrible accident. So they're all praying, thousands of them, because it just spread across the entire nation. I've met people 30 years later, still meeting them, who prayed for me that day. Hmm. So they're all praying. Dick on a record's under the tarp praying. I don't know they're praying. If I had known they're praying, I would have told them to stop. Because if you've been to heaven, you you don't want to be here, mm-hmm. even on this illustrious program that we're on now. <laughs> I'm having the best time. I don't know they're praying down here. Dick Unterraker has now prayed so long that he's begun to alternate verbal prayers with musical prayers. Mm. He is singing old hymns, and he's singing an old hymn called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wonderful old song, now 160 years old. He's holding on to my right shoulder under the tarp in the dark. What a friend we have in Jesus. 90 minutes have passed since the truck ran over me. Therefore, the title, 90 Minutes in Heaven. He's singing that song, and suddenly, without any warning, under the tarp in the dark, I start singing the song with him. Mm. He got out of the car really fast. He ran over to that same policeman that he practically had browbeaten to let him get in the car and said, Officer, the dead man is singing. Nobody believed that. I, I remember singing with him. I did not know who he was. I certainly didn't know why we were singing in the dark. My last recollection was driving onto the bridge on my way home. So he jumps out of the car and goes over to the final medical people who are still in the scene. Everyone else has left. And he says to them, don't leave. He's still alive. And they said, you know, we're medical professionals. I think we know a dead man when we see him. Well, that may be, but, but he's alive. You have to check on him. No, we don't really have to. We have to go back on duty. He walks around in front of the ambulance and says out loud for everybody to hear, not just the ambulance people, if you leave here without him in the back of that ambulance, I'm going to lie down on this bridge. You'll have to run over me. Wow. Pretty pretty dedicated. Yeah. So they said, okay, we'll check on him. Well, they did and found out that I, I I was alive. And they had to get me out of that thing. Removing a living person is very different from removing someone who's not. That meant equipment that was not on the scene. It had to be ordered from 30 miles away. Brought out, they began to dismantle the car, and it was a mess. I was, I, I, my left arm was in the back seat of the car. I had been severed right in the mid-forearm. Uh, the dashboard collapsed on both of my legs. My right leg was crushed at the knee. My left leg was severed just above the left knee because I must have slid in the seat a little bit. And when it, when it went forward, it, it severed my left leg. Four and a half inches of femur from this leg was ejected from the car and never found. I was impaled on the steering wheel, because this is long before airbags. It just went horizontal right into my chest. I had my head bang against the side of the car, so I had brain, brain damage. I had blood coming out of my ears and nose, and even some coming out of my eyes certainly my mouth. So it was a hideous sight. They did manage to extricate me, put me in that ambulance that he had begged to check on me, and then took me to the nearest hospital. They didn't even take me out there. 
uh, it was it was it was I was too far gone for them to do anything with. They decided to take me to a regional hospital that's thirty miles away. There, they did stabilize me and determined that the only chance I had survival was a level one trauma center, the nearest one, Houston, Texas, seventy miles away. Because of the inclement weather, they were not able to life flight me by helicopter. I had to be put in the back of an ambulance and driven down Interstate 45, uh, 70 miles away to the hospital. I had the accident at 11.45 in the morning. I arrived at Memorial, Hos- Memorial Herman Hospital in Houston at 6.15 that night, six and a half hours. And from that night forward, I would be in a hospital bed for 13 months, and I would have 34 operations to try to reassemble me. So the story is really about answered prayer. The story is about miracles. The story is about finding a way to live when I was never going to be the way I was before. But the story is really about heaven, because I went there, and I didn't want to come back here. But I, you know, it took me a long while to figure out why, mm. you know, why I was sent back here. Um, you know, Jesus says in John chapter 14, you may ask me for anything in my name mm-hmm. and I will do it. Qualifying phrase in my name coincides with the will of God. These people were praying desperately for me to live, like on their faces you know, they loved me. They didn't want me to leave. Still a young man and had my wife. My children were 12 years old and twins seven years old. We were just really getting started in our life and having a good life. Hard work. Eva was a teacher and I was a pastor in a uh, kind of a medium-sized church, but I had lots of responsibility. You know, most pastors have more than they can do anyway. So suddenly that all came to a stop, literally a screeching stop on a bridge one day. These people prayed and God said, yes. I think, I said God's doing a lot more speaking and we are listening. He's also listening a lot more than we could ever imagine. He hears everything we say. Mm -hmm. And here are the prayers of these people. I may not look like much, but I am an answered prayer. My only reason that I'm here is that God said yes to the prayers of these people. Um, he wants to hear from us. And so as soon, you said earlier that as soon as that truck hit you. Immediately. Immediately you died and you were in heaven. Uh, yes. What did you see then? I think that? it was because it was so instantaneous. It right. was such a horrific impact that there was no you, tunnel experience for Yeah, me. we hear about the tunnel. Yes. We hear about I, the I bright light. I think that's light. very common. Okay. I think that's actually more typical than what happened to me because mm-hmm. let's face it, most people, when it comes to death, they pass away. Their life is ebbing here. Right. I've been with people that are dying sure. and you could just almost see them sit up sometimes and talk about people. That right. did not happen to me. I, I was there instantly because I was killed instantly mm. and I'm at one of the 12 gates of heaven. You know, Revelation tells us there are 12 gates in heaven made of pearl right. and they are pearl. A dazzling pearl. Of course, the light in heaven is so bright, it's reflecting off the pearl, which probably makes it look alive. But it is a pearly gate. That's not a myth. And it, it looks like a regular gate? It, yes. Well, it's not very big. I no. mean, the, the entrance is not very big. No. The gate is magnificent, truly. 
The answer is because we go in one at a time. Okay. It's a personal decision. Mm. Yeah. The gate is narrow. Mm. We enter one at a time. And so I did see through the gate, but my first contact after the gate itself is so magnificent was uh, people. I was surrounded by people that I had known and loved in life they, who greeted me in death. And they had all preceded me in death. And I knew every one of them. I did not see anybody at the gates of heaven I did not know. It was really a welcoming committee. You know, heaven is a reunion. If, if any, it's a reunion. And I was reunited with these people who helped me get to heaven. These were people who took me to church when I was a little boy, didn't have any other way to go. These are people who gave me a Bible. These are people who lived a Christian life in front of me. I had some classmates there who influenced. I became a Christian at 16, so some of my classmates definitely influenced me. They even picked me up when I didn't have any other way to go to church. Mm. These people are all around me at the gates of heaven. They really look good. You know, if you really want to look good, heaven is where you want to be. They were perfect. They were without blemish. They were without scars. Some of them were in horrific accidents themselves. I didn't have a scar on me in heaven, and I have some hideous scars, you know, from the neck down from what I sustained on the accident sure. on the bridge. No scars in heaven. The only person in heaven with scars is Jesus. Now, the people you saw, were they, did they look good? Did they, were they old, young? I mean, you know, how, there really isn't look? any age there. No. You know, age is a manifestation of earth. We are born here right. and we have even stages of life. There are no stages of life. No one is born in heaven. Right. No one dies in heaven. So life, you know, stages of life is not an existence in heaven. It, it's not even relevant. I mean, you don't even, I didn't even notice an age on these people. I just noticed them and I knew them. You know, the Bible says we are known, we will know as we are known. Did you I like them. see them like you saw them on earth? Yes. That's how you knew them? Well, in a glorious sense, they were, um, well, my, for example, my grandfather lost three fingers Mm -hmm. in an industrial accident okay. when he was a young man on one hand and two on the other. Well, I was a kid growing up. He would pick me up and I would be fascinated by the nubs that he had on his sure. head. I'd never seen that before. He greeted me at the gates of heaven. He's the first person I saw because I was with him when he died. He's there to greet me when I died. And he extended his hands to me and said in a language I never heard before, but fully understood. He said, welcome home, Donnie. That's the name he had for me on earth. So I knew it was him greeting me. And I looked down at the hands he was going to wrap around me, and all of his fingers were there. I'd never seen them before. Mm. He was fully restored in his health and his, you know, I wouldn't call it beauty, but I guess, it, you know, he was certainly beautiful to me because I had missed him so badly. Mm. So they were all there. They all looked great. They were all perfect. Really, the only person in heaven with scars is Jesus, you know. Mm. We won't have any on us, right? inside or out. And so it was a spectacular reunion. And the more I looked at them and you know, kind of looked at their faces, the more it became obvious to me that these were the people who helped me get to heaven. Were you, was, was everybody floating? Were they walking on something? Well, was... you know what? This is going to sound crazy to some people. Many, much of our movement was without walking. We just were there. We were here. We were there, that kind of thing. Mm. We, you know, people had legs. People were wearing iridescent, brilliant robes mm. is what they're wearing. So you really actually can't see their legs moving. 
but I know I was walking and I suspected that they were, but it did seem in some ways I ended up just being over there because I wanted to be over there. It's quite uh, unusual, not in heaven apparently, but it sure is for me here on earth. But yes, we did move around and we were tangible, but I will say this, the people who are in heaven now are not complete. There is coming a glorified body at, at, at the judgment. Right. But, but they were tangible. I did see them. I didn't know them. And they were waiting for me. And, and the issue there, I think, is so important. Everybody who greeted me knew I was coming to heaven. Hmm. My name is in the registration book up there called the Lamb's Book of Life, which is also in Revelation 21. Hmm. And, and they were expecting me. Some of them had been so long. They knew, they remembered when I came to Christ. I got saved. They were, they were in heaven then, and they all celebrated, announcing that I was on the way. So they really were expecting me. Hmm. And even though decades might have passed here on earth, they don't have any decades there. They don't have any months. They don't have any seconds. It's like now. They're there now, waiting for me again. And, and they've been joined by a lot of people that I have known and loved and lost since then. You saw the streets of gold? There is a street of There's gold a, right down the boulevard. It's like a boulevard right down the middle of the, of the whole so place. So not around it, just straight? It was straight because it was leading up to a pinnacle in the middle of this great city, the city of God. Okay, you saw the city? I, I did. It is a city and with, with walls, and, of course, they're encrusted with all kinds of jewels. And actually, the wall is really thick. You know, it, it takes a while to get through it inside. There's a river of life flowing from the throne of God. Mm. There is a tree of life. We can eat of it there. Even we were forbidden to eat of it in the garden. It, there is a street of gold. It is It is just, it's a buffet for the senses. It's, it's colors I've never seen before. It's sounds I've never heard before. Not only the angels singing and glorifying God, I heard their wings. I could hear them hovering above me. And that those wings were very, very comforting to me, and thousands of praise songs at the same time without chaos. Hmm. Thousands of songs, which here would be two songs would right. be chaotic, right. but they were symbiotic. The songs in heaven fit together, and they all glorify God, for he alone is worthy of our worship. One song, only one, distinguished it from all the others, and it was holy, holy, holy. You could hear that over and over again, hmm. because he is. This is his place. Did you see Jesus? In the distance, okay. I saw him, high and lifted up. There are thrones at the top of this pinnacle, and he was up there. And this may confuse some people. I'm glad I didn't get any closer to him than I did. Mm. I don't think I could have functioned back here if I had a full-on face-to-face meeting with Jesus mm. and had that taken away from me. I, I didn't fare very well when I came back. I was in really bad shape physically, emotionally, in all the ways that you could be, but that lasted for a long time. And so if I had missed that too, I, I just don't know if there would have been much hope for me to ever emerge from the depression that I suffered when I came back from heaven. Because I asked the question every day in that hospital bed, you sent me back for this? Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So when you got there, you saw all those people, the, the welcoming party. Mm -hmm. Did you think anything about back home? Did no. you think anything about on earth? No, not at all. If, you, if you're watching and you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, mm -hmm. 
you 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 go some people will go closer to the lip than others but they want to they want to take it all in yeah you're not looking down if you look down it's barely a glimpse you're looking out and that's the way it is in heaven you're you're not looking down uh, could they see if god willed it mm-hmm. and sometimes he does i believe he does but we're not really preoccupied with that the only thing that people in heaven really know is who's coming that they know did you just see the gate the city did you see grass mountains anything like that i think there's grass and and trees i don't know that i saw any mountains other than the pinnacle in the middle of the city but there were there was there's trees there's just magnificent but there's a lot of buildings too i mean you know, Jesus said, in my father's house are many rooms, right. mansions, and we all get one. Mm. And then you can see those. They're quite beautiful. I don't know how much time a person is going to want to spend in that, you know, when you have the opportunity right. to walk down to Golden Street and talk to Mary. Right. I think I know what I'm going to do, not go sit in my mansion. Uh, there's plenty of time for that. Speaking of, uh, like, Mary, um, did you see anybody else besides that welcoming? Committee? I could see them inside, but they didn't come Just out. Just people me. inside. Yeah, there's, like. there, uh, yeah, a legion of people inside. You know what? I don't think I'll have to be introduced to them either. Yeah, I think I'll just know them, and they'll know sure. me. And 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 as crazy as it sounds, I think I'll see Moses, and I can ask him about you know all the stuff, questions we don't know. But I have a feeling when we get to heaven, a lot of things that we think we are going to ask, that we think are important. We will know, or we sure. we could care less. Right, not relevant. You know, it's just you have to think about heaven, not like this. In our our tendency, because Earth is all we know, right. is to ask questions that are almost Earth-like. And the truth is, heaven is not like this. It's just not. Uh, some of the people here will be there because they're ready. Heaven's prepared place for prepared people. You know, and we know you're not going because you're good or you belong to some church or any, those are great things, right. admirable. It's an authentic personal relationship with Jesus. And once you get there, a lot of the things that we think are just crucial here will be meaningless there. It's a mm. different dimension. It's a different place. It's a real place because we know that this place won't be here one day. Heaven will. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said, and he'll come back for us. When uh, you would talk or they would talk to you, did you see the mouth move or is it more just? Um, actually, there was more communication without speaking than there was with your mouth. Okay. I mean, that did happen. And uh, actually, I was comforted by that, you know, like, okay, we actually get to talk. But, you know, I knew their hearts. You know, if Papa was saying, welcome home, Donnie, I knew what that meant on the inside. He was, he was reaching out to me. He, he was expressing such deep love for me that I felt it. I felt it. And I, and I felt that from the other people as well. They, they, they talked to me, but they didn't open their mouths. Mm. You know, they, they were welcoming me as well. They were glad to see me and welcoming me home. That's my home. You know, you talked about that gate. Yeah. And as we close up today... Um, you know, the Bible says narrow is the gate. And you talked about how really that gate is narrow. It's a, just was going, letting one person in, yeah, sort in. exactly. And that's, uh, you, you said earlier, it's a personal relationship. 
It is. It's not about being a good person or going to a church or so on. Um, could you just, uh, as many people uh, are watching this for the first time or many don't know Jesus Christ, could you just lead them, uh, tell them about Jesus, and then uh, lead them in the I'd sinner's prayer? honored to do it. Um, remember I said that the, the choir, the heavenly hosts were singing, holy, holy, holy? That's because God is. And we're not. And, 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 and anything or anyone not holy can't go to heaven. Mm. Well, it begs the question, well, how do we get eligible, Jesus? Jesus' advent into this world was so that we could make, be made holy in the sight of God. Our sins, and we know that we are sinners, um, can be applied to him. He took them because something had to take them. Something had to put us in a situation where we could go to heaven, and that is being forgiven of our sin. Repentance. Turn from the way we want to live our lives to the way God wants us to live our lives. And that repentance and that turn puts us in a situation where we're eligible not only to stand in heaven, but to have Jesus actually turn to God Almighty and say, she's mine. Mm -hmm. She's one of mine. And we're there. And there forever. We don't have to worry about losing it. It's done. Mm. So you can have that. In fact, God wants us to have that. Amen. Why would he send his only son right. to do such a thing, as to be sacrificed on a cross? So if you're watching and you, you, you want to go to heaven, and I can't imagine anybody who wouldn't want to go to heaven. Mm. Now, I can't imagine that you wouldn't feel worthy. Join the club. I'm, I wasn't worthy. When I walked down the aisle at 16 and said yes to Jesus. Here's what you need to do. And I'll pray with you, and you can pray with me. You can use your own words if you feel led to do that. But really, there's certain things that are necessary to make this happen, this work. And here they are. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to meet each other, even if it's, uh, even it's by, through media as opposed to in person. One day, if we're ready, we'll be there in person, and we'll be there forever. So if you're watching and you're not sure that if, a, God forbid, a truck was to run over you today on the way home, it happened to me, you have to be ready all the time, you would bow your hearts and your head and say, Jesus, I know I'm, I am a sinner. I have done things I shouldn't have done, and I didn't do some things I should have. And I am sorry, but I'm not just sorry. I want to turn from my ways and I want to embrace your ways. Please, God, forgive me of my sins. I, I ask you forgiveness, and I don't want to just think that that's it. No, I want to start living for you. I want to turn and live for you from this moment forward. I accept your salvation, and, and Lord, I want to live right. Shine the light on my path from here on out, and I want to be faithful, and I want to be with you when you call me home. Lord, help me be faithful until that time. The Bible says if you make that decision and you ask Christ in your heart, he is faithful to do it. We can know that we are saved. And if you know you're saved, you need to tell somebody. You, you need to let them know. It's necessary. Wouldn't you want them to know after making such a monumental decision? The Bible says the angels in heaven sing. They sing announcing that you're on the way. And they're singing now, waiting for you. Thank you, Lord, for 
our salvation. Thank you for embracing us. Thank you for accepting us. We accept you, and we want to live for you faithfully from this moment on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Don. This was awesome. Appreciate you. Honored. God bless.